Good morning and welcome to Driving Theology, a uh, meandering podcast about things vaguely spiritual or theological, uh, recorded as I drive. Uh, we are coming upon, I believe, four years. I think it'll be this October. It's September 2019. Uh, I don't know what the date today is. Let me think about that for a minute. Let's see, it's somewhere around the 19th or something like that. 19th, 20th, 24th. Maybe the 18th, September 18th, maybe. Anywho, uh, yeah, and thanks for joining me. And um, my name is Mike. And. Yeah, usually, if I'm honest, these uh, podcasts are prompted by by things that are talked about on social media, uh, which for me pretty much means Facebook. I don't really use much else, um, not as a you know public kind of discussion thing. Uh, and so this morning's. There were a few things, a few things going on in the last couple days, um, so I want to I want to talk about that, and and I would love your feedback on this first one because man, I really seem to be in the minority. Uh, no matter where you go, um, in the last thirty or you know thirty plus years, you have probably heard this mantra unless you love yourself you cannot love others right you've probably heard that uh, unless you love yourself you cannot love others um, maybe it's it's it was made most popular by the Whitney Houston song learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all right learning to love yourself um, and the thing is the thing that's most troubling to me is that I I hear this a lot with people who I respect um, because of their theological stances I they still adhere to this idea and so either they're wrong or I'm wrong, or there's some semantical juggling going on that, that neither of us understand, uh, or will admit to even if we do understand it. So that's why I want to talk through it. Um, let me say it again, unless you love yourself, you cannot love others. Now we have these two, two commands given by Jesus. Uh, you know, he's asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he says, the second greatest, the second one, is love your neighbor as yourself. And so we've taken, we've taken this to mean that, and, and, and then Jesus himself says at the end of this, he says, you know, all of the law and the prophets are bound up in these two commandments, right? In other words, if you follow these two commandments, you follow all of the law and the prophets. 
Um, and so, uh, that's what we have. Jesus commanded us to love God and love others. But then later, later in John, he says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. Right? And so, I mean, I take this to mean that the way to love God is to love others. In other words, if you love God, you love others. You can't say you love God, or you, it can't be true that you love God if you don't love people. Right? Um, and so, I've, I've taken that to mean that love of others equals love of God. And that's how I, that's kind of how I roll these days. Okay, so be that as it may, a lot of, a lot of Christians, again, a lot of people who I respect about other theological views still hold to this saying, you can't love others unless you love yourself. And yet I don't see self-love as commanded in the Bible. I see it as assumed. Um, no man no man hates himself but loves himself, right? This is said in the New Testament. And the golden rule is love your neighbor as yourself, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is another way that it's said. Uh, so it's assumed that you love yourself, right? Uh, and and I assume that too because one of one of the the strongest instincts in us is self preservation. Self preservation, uh, whether that's physical or whether that's mental. Um, I think there could also be a soul level of this. In fact, I think uh, I, I don't think I don't think suicide equals self-hate. I'm going to say that uh, I don't think suicide always equals self-hate. Now, I can attest to the fact that I think people could hate themselves. I feel like I have hated myself for things I've done, right? Or at least a part of myself. But no matter how much I convince my mind that I hate myself, there is always the instinct of self-preservation. I don't think I can always ever get rid of that. I don't, I don't think it would be possible. Um, and so, though, though I may hate myself for doing this or that or or certain aspects of my life uh, or my actions or whatever, I still cannot escape my instincts of self-preservation. When someone attacks me physically or verbally, there are certain instincts that, that come to bear. Um, now you can suppress those instincts, but those instincts are there, right? They exist. Um, Self-preservation is an incredibly strong instinct, right? Uh, the the instinct to to continue in life, right? To persist, 
to not die, uh, that instinct is there. Life, life is a very, very strong instinct. Um, people go to all lengths to preserve their own life, even as far as murder. Um, now, the reason I say suicide, I don't think, is always a um, it always means that you hate yourself. Uh, I think I think what it more often means is that you hate your your circumstances. You hate the life in which you find yourself. You you feel that the only escape is death out of out of your life. You think you are you are worth more. Or you think you, you, um, yeah, I think you feel like you have been cheated in being put into your circumstances because you feel that you deserve better, right? You, you feel like you deserve better and yet better is unattainable and therefore death is your only escape. I, I think you can still commit suicide and have self-love. Now, do some people commit suicide out of self-hate? Um, I think it's possible. I, I don't know. I, I need to look deeper into this. But here, here's my problem with, with making this blanket statement that you must learn to love yourself before you can love others. Uh, I don't find Jesus making this statement. Not in any way. In fact, I think I think Jesus uh, sacrificed himself in in more ways than one. Not just his life. You know, he sacrificed his position. He 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 didn't always take care of himself. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a shelter. In other words, he didn't he didn't uh, worry about self protection. Uh, in a in a big way, right? He, uh, in fact, his his way of life was sacrifice, sacrificing possessions. Right? He had he had few or no possessions, and certainly didn't seek after the possessions that most people of his time did. Uh, he sacrificed having his own family, his own wife and kids. all of that to set up being able to sacrifice his life for the good of for, for the good of the world right uh, did Jesus love himself yeah I think of course he did but he didn't say it like that he said the father loves me and shows me all that he is doing right the father loves me the Son loves the Father. The Father loves the Son. The Father and the Son are one. And yet, the love is outward moving. It's not inward moving. The very nature of agape is unconditional love moving out, right, to the other person. To me, that's agape. And whatever Greek word we come up with to to uh, what do you call it express self-love which I don't know what that would be uh, 
I can't see how it could be agape, right? Now, because I think we are already, as humans, we already lean towards self-love, that it's almost a given. It's a, it's a, it's a natural state of affairs. We're born this way, right, to take care of ourselves. Um, although some of us do a better job than others, um, I still think circumstances play into how well we take care of ourselves, right? Um, and so if, if someone gets to the point that they do hate themselves, then I would say they are broken in a severe and unusual way that most people are not broken. Now, I'm not talking about shame or guilt. Those are two other things that I don't like. I don't think shame and guilt equals self-hatred. Um, but uh, I I see telling people unless you love yourself you cannot love others especially immature Christians you're giving them a license to self-indulge to be selfish um, to to basically go the direction uh, that is bad for them, right? Because people are already bent that way. We are already warped that way. Uh, unless we have been warped by shame and guilt, uh, a.k.a. religion. <laughs> I, think, I think religion is the one machine... Uh, that can really warp us wrong uh, in this in this uh, in this direction. I think religion is almost set up to, to create self-loathing. Um, so um, wait, what is that? What is that scripture? Unless unless a man hates his father and mother doesn't it say and even himself he cannot be my disciple I'm not sure what that says I have to look that up there's something there that Jesus said maybe in the uh, Sermon on the Mount uh, I need to look that up but uh, yeah don't quote me on that part um, but to me the New Testament and Jesus uh, is always going the other way, right? Don't be selfish. Be selfless, right? Uh, be righteous, but don't be self-righteous, right? Take care of the other. Take care of the needy. Um, always, always be outward-looking in your love. Now, here's where I think the nuance may, uh, the nuance or or a or or and or semantics may get in the way is that I, I of course I think we are full of love um, and the way I put it in this post is that we are made of love by love right God is love he made us out of love and because we are made uh, 
he made us with love. We are made with love. In, in other words, um, in almost every aspect, we are love. And so recognizing that we are loved and we are cherished, I don't think is the same thing as self-love. I don't think it's the same thing. Uh, I think self-love leads to pride, but realizing how much you are loved leads to humility. Um, and so, it, it, you know, there may be a semantical thing there, but still I feel like the words are important. I would rather tell someone, believe in Jesus who says you are loved, loved so much that he is willing and has died a cruel and tortuous death on the cross so that you might have life. That's how much you are lived. That's how much you are loved, sorry. Is vastly different than saying, unless you love yourself, you can't love others. So work on loving yourself first. Uh, I, I just, man, I, I think it takes you to a bad place. Especially, especially just the words. Now, if you have somebody who's living in community with you who tells you this and by example uh, walks you through the process, uh, which is, you know, the difference of loving yourself and the difference of indulging yourself. If you, if you have somebody that is, you know, going to step you through the process, not just tell you this, these words, but, but actually live in a way that expresses um, that they love you, right? That you are loved. Yeah, I man, I just don't see self-love in the Bible. I think it, I see it as assumed, right? That self-love is, yeah, of course you love yourself. That's kind of what the Bible says. But it says, don't focus on that. Focus on loving others and understanding how much you are loved. Right? Love others. Do unto others. As you would do unto yourself. Right? Yeah, so... To me, this is this is actually kind of a big deal. It's not, It's not a small deal. It's not... But if I'm wrong, please point that out. Give, give me, give me something to go on, um, that that helps me understand what other people are talking about. Because I want to understand them, uh, but at the same time, if there's a better way, better way they can think of it that that leads people in a better direction in their walk with Christ, which of course. Uh, benefits the kingdom aka all people uh, then I want to help them do that as well um, so yeah I I don't know self love and knowing your love to me is a completely different thing I don't know maybe I'm crazy anyway let me know this is this is kind of important to me today I'm not gonna uh, talk about that the whole time because um, I know it's kind of a touchy subject and uh, 
you know, with uh, psychology such as it is today and, and all the other stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, let me know. Sorry, I just had to pay attention to traffic there for a minute. Uh, the other thing that kind of came up was this, um, so my friend, my, <laughs> not friend, my Facebook friend, somebody who I follow, uh, we have exchanged words a few times, but I would not say I know him, but I do respect his theology. He, he's really been posting a lot on hell, uh, and the, the misconceptions of hell in the Bible, uh, and trying to, trying to wrestle with scripture while at the same time embracing Jesus as, as all loving, all forgiving, all reconciling. And he does a really good job, I think. Um, and so I, I, all I did was shared, reposted one of his posts and man, he's got so many of them, but in a nutshell, he is a unabashed universalist. Uh, he believes that, that God will reconcile the entire, uh, creation back to himself, that, that all people eventually will be saved. Uh, and that this is good news for the world. And I, I right now, where I'm at, I, I agree with him. With the one caveat that there may be some people that just outright refuse forever. Uh, and therefore, they may not enter the peace of God. Uh, there may be those people that continue to reject because free will, right? Free will exists. We, we have choice. We're not robots. Uh, we, we may choose, and some people may choose not to, to be with Christ. Um, I pray that's not the case. Uh, but, but, um, most evangelicals still hold to the view that there is a physical hell of burning fire where God will uh, send all those who do not find their way to him in this life and they will be tormented forever time without end right and so after I posted one of these universalist type uh, I reposted. I shared one of the one of Jacob's uh, um, posts. My cousin, dear cousin Susan, uh, who I love and believe that she loves Jesus, and she's on a journey just like everybody else. However, she still uh, embraces a a. I'm not even going to say traditional because it's not traditional. It's it's a fairly new idea of. Penal substitution atonement theory, uh, whereas God will punish all those in the lake of fire with Satan and his angels. And she posts the scripture, um, you know, the, the sheep and the goats, and or, or you know, 
whatever they will be sent out into the and they are words of Jesus and they are words that should be uh, listened to okay no doubt can't remember the scripture right offhand but basically it says uh, the way it's usually interpreted is that those who reject God will be burned in the fire with Satan and all his angels the eternal fire right the lake of fire the eternal lake of fire um, and this is a pretty common belief um, in scripture and she says you don't get to choose which scriptures you believe in which you don't and and you know she says quite a bit more and so I just posted every knee will bow and every tongue confess right which is a universalist scripture right in the end the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord in other words they will they will submit right you don't bow your knee unless you submit submission uh, to the Lordship of Christ uh, is expressed as uh, bending the knee metaphorically right and confessing that Jesus is Christ is is uh, so you have a physical and then you have a, a mental right you, you you submit by bending your knee physically and then mentally or even maybe spiritually you confess that Jesus is Lord and the Bible in several places indicates that this will happen that everybody will do this eventually but what Christians who who adhere to penal substitution uh, theories of hell they want you to believe that they will do this but then God will send them to hell anyway but even though they have they have submitted their life and they have uh, they have admitted that Jesus is Lord um, then God's going to send them off to hell to be tormented forever. And somehow they think that this this represents a good God, that a good God would do this. They, they've convinced themselves that this is justice, that, that God is just, and justice means punishment. And if people rebel, they must be punished. But they have no answers for the innocent, uh, for those who were just born in the wrong time in the wrong century uh, Sorry the wrong time or the wrong country. That's what I meant to say uh, Who will also be thrown into that lake for apparently no good reason and Somehow this is written off to the sovereignty of God. Well God made everybody therefore he does what he wills and Whatever he wills is good even though it's something that if we did we uh, would call it sin, right? If somebody else did that, we would call them sinners, but if God does it, it's okay. For example, I have a child, right? I decide to have a child. I have sex with my wife. We produce a child. That child is produced by me, came out of my body and my wife's body, and somehow we decide, well, that child's not worth it. Let's just let's just get rid of it. 
let's just you know throw it on the uh, throw it out on the street it's mine I made it it was made by my decision if I don't make the decision the child doesn't get made um, that would obviously be wrong right that would be a bad thing but there are lots of people who are born in the world who will not know Christ it's just a statistical uh, inevitability. It's going to happen. Um, and it happens all the time. I think a million people or so die in Japan every year. And I would say pretty close to a million of them did not know Christ. We're doing what we can. We're trying. We're racking our brains. We, we are, you know, I'm going to go to a, a, a church planting conference this fall. And I'll hear more stories of, oh, I'm just, Japan's so hard and the mission field is so hard. And, you know, it's, it's a, this, this mission field is known to be one of the hardest in the world. One of the least forgiving, one of the least producing. Nobody can figure out why. But the thing is, I know a lot of Japanese who don't know Christ, who, by the way they live, live in a Christ-like way. How do they do that? How's that possible? If they don't know Christ and yet instinctively live uh, and imitate Him instinctively. You know, where's your answer for that? They're going to be thrown into the lake of hell if, if they're given a a poor version of Jesus and they reject it. If they're, you know, a human comes to them and and presents Jesus, and this human is is not a very good person. He's he's uh, or she, he or she um, seems to be petty or or you know angry or jealous or whatever, and somehow the message of Jesus in that package does not come through in any real way, and they reject that package of Jesus, they're going to hell? I mean, come on. What kind of God do you believe in? This is what it comes down to. The way you read these scriptures, the way you read these scriptures indicates who you think God is. It indicates the kind of God that you worship. All right. Let me climb off my high horse for a minute and go back to the, the first scripture. So, all throughout scripture, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, fire is seen as a painful thing and yet ultimately a good thing a cleansing right um, Jesus uh, God is called you know God is a God's a consuming fire is said but it's also you know ref, the refiner's fire refined like silver right um, baptism by fire Right, you have been baptized by baptized by water and by fire. This fire, baptism by fire, we would never say um, 
is a bad thing, and yet we, we think that the lake of fire must be a bad thing. But we're all, we all have to go through the fire. We all need to have the impurities of wickedness removed from us. Right? We all have to do that. And that's either done on this earth, aka becoming a true believer of Christ, or it's done in the next stage of life. Uh, and that's the fire that people have to go through. Now, is it literal fire? No, I don't think it is. I don't believe it's literal fire. I think that's the metaphor that the Bible used because the process of denying yourself and taking up your cross and submitting to Christ is like going through fire. It's painful. And if you are if you are walking that path now as a believer of Christ, you continually are working, walking through fire. Um, if, if you are dealing with the things in your life that don't represent Christ, then you are walking through fire. It's painful. I, I've, I've had to do some of those things and it's always painful. Um, yeah, I think I think it can be described as tortuous at times. Um, there's real pain in giving up your life and embracing the life that Christ has for you. It's difficult. It's very difficult. Um... And yet, those of us who are blessed to go through it in this life uh, are able to pass on the, the, that opportunity to others to go through it in, the, in this life as well. So that they won't have to go through the second death after they, um, after they leave the earth. So, Christians, I'm going to say disciples of Christ. I don't like the word Christian much. Disciples of Jesus, uh, we go through our second death before we go through our first death. The first death is the body, right? The body will die. The second death uh, is the relinquishing of your will and the accepting of the will of Christ, right? Also known as conversion or becoming a believer um, as seen in baptism, right? Baptism by water and baptism by fire uh, are a very similar thing. They're both cleansing, right? The, the water cleanses the outside, but the fire will get to everything, right? Baptism by fire uh, is, is what happens as you go through the struggles of this life. I'm running a little bit late. I don't know why. I thought I left early, but maybe I didn't. Oh, it shouldn't be too late. Uh, yeah, so I only got about five minutes left. Um, 
So the reason, I guess I could tie these two things together that I've talked about today from the idea of self-love uh, as I see self-love as not submitting to Christ. Self-love is, is going the opposite direction of denying yourself, right? Paul says he buffets his body daily, right? He's not in love, he tries not to be in love with his body, uh, but actually to discipline his body. Because he understands that, that too much love of the body uh, can lead uh, to debauchery and hedonism, right? Um, and yet I don't think we have to hate our bodies, right? I don't, I don't think we have to get to the point where we hate our bodies. That's, you know... That, that's not a healthy state of affairs either. I'm a little bit old. I'm a little bit short. I'm, I'm overweight. Um, I don't like that. You know, none of those things I like. I'd rather be tall. I'd rather be uh, have a younger body. And I'd rather be thinner. And so... Yeah, sorry, I had to honk at a guy who's... Oh. That may have been a bad idea. There was an ambulance coming around the corner. <laughs> but he went anyway. He didn't like me honking at him. <laughs> but he should have put on his... I didn't hear the... I didn't hear the ambulance, but he should have put on his blinkers. I would have known that there was something wrong. Um, yeah, so I don't think... You need to necessarily hate your body either, but in comparison to loving others, uh, I think I think it's up there. I, I need to look at a few more scriptures, and maybe I'll uh, comment on this a little bit later. I may even want to come back to this same recording and add a little bit to it. I don't know, because uh, it might be worth wrapping these things together. But to me, the the best journey in life entails um, understanding how much you are loved by Christ, um, discipline, disciplining yourself so that you may be of service to others, uh, and, and that any kind of self-love that you intentionally uh, engage in uh, should be done incredibly cautiously under the watchful eye of hopefully somebody ahead of the ahead in the spiritual walk uh, wiser and older than you <clears throat> I would think would be a uh, the only way that 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 might work out <laughs> uh, yeah I think I think you love yourself already I think, I think we all love ourselves already. I think that's pretty pretty normal. Pretty much par for the course. I can't figure out why I'm running a little bit late. It's kind of weird. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, there are those two things. Uh, one on self-love uh, versus 
realizing how much you are loved. And the other one uh, was on uh, the idea of of uh, e- eternal conscious torment versus uh, universal reconciliation. And uh, I think those those two do kind of tie together uh, at, at one point or another. Um, in one way, I guess, is that God loves us so much uh, that he would never discard us. I mean, the idea that God could throw us away uh, for being born in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, or, you know, or making a decision based on faulty information, and it's almost all faulty, <laughs> uh, I, that's just not the God I know. It's not the God I see in Jesus. Uh, and, and I don't know what else to say about that. It's, it seems contrary to the character of God to me to think that he would uh, use the fire to torture us forever, you know, without end. Uh, that That's not Jesus. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.